Hey, and welcome to the Aaron Warner podcast on iCode Media. Today, I had a great conversation with Dr. Damon Durker and Roger Kennedy about Prochera and amniotic membranes. Uh, we shared our experience, how we communicate with patients, and uh, how effective we believe the technology is. Uh, please join the conversation by leaving a comment. Let us know your thoughts, how you use Prochera and amniotic membranes in the practice. Share the episode with a friend, and of course, leave us a five-star review. Also, be sure to support those who support us. In the past, our focus revolved around prescribing MacuHealth or MacuHealth Plus to patients at risk of macular degeneration, while also recommending it to collegiate and professional athletes for enhanced contrast sensitivity and sports performance. However, this year's introduction of the Life Meter has been a game changer. The Life Meter revealed a concerning truth. Many of my patients have alarmingly low skin carotenoid levels indicating potential deficiencies in essential body tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, LifeMeter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness has been demonstrated across 2,000 subjects with diverse backgrounds. With this newfound insight, I can now have meaningful conversations about carotenoid levels with all of my patients, even those who may seem outwardly healthy. To learn more about this empowering technology, feel free to contact your MacuHealth representative or click on the link in the show notes. Together, let's optimize patient care and elevate their well-being. All right, guys, we've talked about uh, having this conversation for a little bit now. Excited to be here. I've got uh, Roger Kennedy with us and uh, Dr. Damon Durker. I'm going to let these two gentlemen introduce themselves for a little bit. Uh, but before we do that, uh, I want to tee off the conversation today. We're going to be talking about... Uh, amniotic membranes and specifically Prochera and how we use them in clinical practice. I know I have some ex uh, experience and some really cool stories from my office. Damon does as well. Uh, but before we jump in, Roger, who are you? Where are you from? Yeah, thanks, Dr. Warner. Thanks for having me uh, as well. Uh, yeah, my name is Roger Kennedy. I'm the uh, director of marketing for Biotissue uh, based out of Miami, Florida. Uh, been in the eye care industry for uh, going on 11 years now, previously with uh, with Cooper Vision, and now the last five years with Biotissue. Nice. 11 years in the industry. Is that what happened to the hair? That is. It was it's, done. Uh, <laughs> it's, either, it's either removed or grayer. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, and Damon, I think we all know who you are, but for uh, for those who, who don't, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I'm happy to be here for this conversation. It's definitely a, a passion Part of my practice is using amniotic membranes and what can do for our patients. So I'm Damon Durker. I'm an optometrist <clears throat> in Indianapolis. I've been practicing at Eye Surgeons of Indiana since 2002. I'm a partner in the practice. I have four MD partners. The Really, our core practice is refractive cataract surgery, and we have two now going on three surgery centers, and a lot of what we do is optimizing the ocular surface, doing great surgery, and then co-managing with optometrist in the community. But I have a, a, a dry eye clinic, uh, ocular surface disease clinic, that's uh, two days a week where that's all I do. And I've got folks coming in from two, three hour radius from Indianapolis to see us and have all the different diagnostics and therapeutics you'd want for that sort of clinic. And then I do a lot of things on the consulting education side uh, with uh, developments of dry eye boot camp um, pre-pandemic and now kind of a lot of my time spent with eyes on eye care, looking at eyes on dry eye and other events um, in the virtual space. So, cool, yeah, we like those guys, eyes on eye care are a good group. 
So Damon, there's not a whole lot of, uh, of you across the country, ODs that are in partnership with MDs and surgery centers. Um, I know locally in San Diego, Dave Geffen's one of them. There's you, there's probably only a handful if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we're a pretty small group and I wasn't, I didn't even go down that path until I was with the practice for 15 years because it really wasn't a defined option. But I looked at all the things that I was doing to help build the practice, uh, seeing patients, building relationships. You know, we have over 500 optometrists that we uh, work with in central Indiana and beyond and doing things that provide a lot of value to the practice. And I felt like that was worthy of a opportunity to be a partner in the practice. And my, my current partners agreed. And it's, it's been fun because since I've had a little bit more of a role in decision-making, strategy, et cetera, is that we really have accelerated over the last four or five years, and we continue to do that. So, very cool. Um, you brought up something, and we hadn't talked about talking about it this ahead of time, um, but in the, the Refractive Surgery Center, and, and you guys focus on, uh, it sounds like a lot on the visual outcomes, the cataract surgery, LASIK, whatnot, and we've heard that it's important to have a good ocular surface, You know, treat the dry eye before a patient has surgery. How important is it really? I mean, you're seeing outcomes, you're seeing hundreds of these, thousands of these. What's the re, I mean, is it really that important? What's the, the true benefit, right? I mean, I mean do, do, you your, just, do your patients, patients really want to see? Do they want to invest, you know, <laughs> thousands of dollars in technology? I mean, the technology, I think about what we had 20 years ago when I started, it was a, a, a ray technology, IOL, that had a lot of glare and halos. We didn't really manage astigmatism as much. And we just said, hey, that's, that's all we have. But we have so many different things now with trifocal, IOLs, EDOF lenses. We do a lot of light adjustable lens in our practice, and that's been fantastic. And the limiting factor of all of these things is the surgery is great. Laser-assisted surgery, our surgeons are fantastic. We can control inflammation postoperatively in the eye. But the limiting factor for so many of these patients is if we miss ocular surface disease preoperatively, that derails the whole process for the patient. So it's really imperative, and, and I know we've said that for the last 10, 15 years. Now with so many patients that are post-LASIK, so many people that, hey, my, my friend down the road just got a lens and they never have to wear glasses, I want that. Well, if we don't identify that and actually treat that progressively, proactively, um, we're going to have an unhappy patient. So I see some of these unhappy patients, uh, occasionally from our practice, a lot of times from others in the community, and I see them on the back end of that journey and they're four, five, six months after their refractive cataract surgery or laser vision correction. And now we're just trying to uncover the ocular surface issues and get them treated is think about what that patient just went through. And we try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. I think I, I, I love what you just said. The limiting factor on all of this for the outcome is, is ocular surface disease. Because yeah, the measurements that we them. can do and the surgeries are so good is like what is holding people back from even confidently recommending some of these procedures is we know it's a variability in the ocular surface. We know if someone has increased osmolarity, which is going to be uh, you know, kind of the driver for dry eye disease, that can have enough light scatter to equal what we see in a 2 to 3 plus NS cataract. So you can have a perfect surgery you look at that lens, you look at the lens capsule, and everything looks great. But if their tear thumb is terrible, the patient is not going to have a good outcome. Yep. No, that, that, it makes perfect sense from, an, from an, octo, or a, an optics standpoint. How do you describe that to a patient? They're looking at coming in, having you know, spending a couple thousand dollars 
for uh, for surgery and uh, to get the best vision and you know in their mind you're going to start talking to them about you know tears and uh, and artificial tears maybe and you know, I take visine or I do whatever how do you, what analogies what explanations do you share with patients about needing to treat the ocular surface before they have the surgery so I've never been a big storyteller or analogy type guy so I try to make it very clear that Yes, uh, Dr. Smith referred you over, and I agree you have a cataract in both eyes, and you are going to benefit from cataract surgery. But what we found is that actually the very surface of the very front surface of the eye is not very healthy and is not conducive for surgery. And if you want the outcome that you are capable of with the technology that we have, we have to treat the surface of the eye before we go and do surgery. So I clearly outline there's two problems. I clearly outline which one we're going to address first, and I've laid it out the value proposition that if we don't do that, we're not going to have the outcome. So then if the patient is pumping the brakes at that point, I'm saying, are we, are we really moving down the road of refractive cataract surgery, or are we going to do more basic surgery? Because they have to be bought in, because if they don't understand what we're doing or, or buy in, we're not going to want to place a multifocal lens or do a, a light adjustable lens, because that patient is just going to have more trouble. So I pump the brakes. I let them know before we do anything is, hey, we've got, and I let them know we can usually do this within a month or so. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes we'll start with eye drops or other RX therapies. We'll get into, you know, where does ProCare fit in this? Because pre-op pre optimization, I think, is a very clear role for ProCare and, and cryopreserved amniotic membrane. But I think it's trying to do that right away at that first visit and not waiting until day one post-op or week one or one month and say, oh, by the way, you have some dry eye issues we need to take care of. Not, never going to work out. No, that's, that, it's definitely hard to come back from the, uh, from not treating it on the front end. Um, it's interesting. You, you said you're not a story guy cause I am. So I liked <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and maybe it's because you're, you're a lot smarter than I, I am. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but, uh, but I like to tell patients that you know, it's no different than they can have the, the most expensive car in the world. You just bought your brand new BMW, but if the windshield wiper blades are bad, you're not driving very well in the rain. And, uh, which relates well to me in San Diego because it doesn't <laughs> rain here very much. And so our windshield wiper blades are all crap until we, uh, we have to get new ones. Um, but they, they understand that quickly. And I, you know, sounds like you do something similar on the follow-up is, Hey, we're not looking to move forward with these fantastic, uh, treatments and procedures and lenses unless we take care of this on the front end, because you're not going to be happy. It's going to reflect poorly on us and it's not our fault. It's the fact that we've got a, a bad, you know, front surface of the eye, whether it's the tears, whether it's the cornea, it's all, all together, the whole ocular, ocular surface. So let's jump into, to how we, we treat it. I, I just want to say oh, another thing on that too. I think that's such a great point. I, I've heard from customers and tell me if you guys agree. It's, it sounds like based on what you guys just said, but um, as, as a treating physician, right? If you tell the patient on the front end, that they have ocular surface disease, that's, that's the patient's problem, right, that they have. If, if you tell them after, you know, cataract surgery, then the patient becomes suspicious of, of, the, uh, of the eye doctor, right, as far as when that happened, just their experience. They, they don't know any better. Hey, did you cause this? Um, so just identifying it early just helps overall for the patient perspective as well. Absolutely. It's funny, we all like to say that we're partnering with patients on things, yet if you're not communicating with them, and sharing everything about them, you're not really partnering, and they've got a, a phone in their pocket that has more information than I'll ever have in my brain. So they can look up and double check and fact check me and you know and whatnot the whole time. 
So if I give them enough, you know, if I tell them and share ahead of time what's going on with them, uh, then they really are along for, for that journey. And I love when they go back and, and fact check because all they do is find out that what we shared was right. So, so jumping in, um, obviously, you know, we don't need to go down the whole treatment paradigm of, uh, of treating ocular surface disease. We know tears. We know we've got some RXs. Um, we do want to jump in and hit uh, amniotic membranes and prokaryotes uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm kind of surprised they're not used more. It's been out for, for a while and it's a fantastic tool um, that I'm just, I'm not seeing used as much as, as I think they, they could be. Uh, Damon would love your input on that. Um, but then I want to get into the, you know, where Damon, do you start incorporating them into your treatment uh, paradigm, especially knowing that the end goal is fixing that ocular surface so that they can have a fantastic outcome for surgery. So let's start with why you think they're, we're not using prokaryotes, we're not using amniotic membranes as much as maybe we could. I think that probably, I mean, there's a couple of reasons, and we've had it available with Procare for more than a decade, and I've been using it for about 10 years in my practice. And in a referral practice, an ophthalmology practice, I would say there's three buckets of patients that I think about, and this is getting to you know, why it's underutilized. This bucket number one for a Procare or amniotic membrane is the train wreck patient. You know, someone that has a chemical burn, an ulcer, um, neurotrophic keratitis, you know, they have Stevens Johnson, I mean, all sorts of different things. Literally, that's like five to 10% in a referral practice. And I think that people define this, say, well, I'm not going to use Procare unless everything else fails or unless I just can't, unless it's a total disaster, then maybe I'll think about Procare. And maybe I had some of that mentality 10 years ago when I first started because I didn't really understand the technology. But it's just like anything else, technology works better if you utilize it in the correct spot. So it actually is going to be even more effective in these patients that are you know, moderate to severe um, dry eye disease that have corneal sequelae, which is like 70% of my practice. You know, patients that have persistent symptoms, discomfort, light sensitivity, they have corneal staining. Some of these patients have filaments, some of them have um, persistent epithelial defects, but most of them just have corneal sequelae of dry eye that's not going away with conventional therapy. And, and when I say conventional, you kind of name those with artificial tears and RX medications, whether it's immunomodulators or steroids or nasal sprays, is you know, doing some things that are not getting the patient to the point where they're satisfied with their treatment and we're not satisfied with what we see. That's the most common scenario in bucket two is corneal sequelae dry eye, moderate to severe. And when we talk about how a single application lasts for many months, I mean, the data is there to support its use in that segmentation of our patients. So train wrecks, a small percentage, big bucket, moderate to severe dry eye. And then I've got the smaller bucket is the pre-op surgery patient where they come in, they have significant ocular surface disease. Hopefully we find that before they ever have surgery and they're not responding to conventional therapy. They have persistent uh, topographic changes or staining that if we try to get measurements, uh, God forbid we try to do a multifocal or light adjustable in that situation is we just have to get that um, cleaned up before surgery. So I think, you know, why is it not more used in optometry? I think a lot of optometrists on that pre-op side, if they're referring to the, pa the patient to a surgery center, they're like, well, that's, that's their problem. They can take care of that. Where in reality, that's your patient that you just referred. 
And you're gonna have a much better experience for the patient if you treat them in the primary care optometrist chair with Rx if needed, with Procare if needed, get them set up for success, go to the surgery center like, wow, look at that, they're ready to go. You literally save the patient a couple months time in certain situations because if you have to slow down that process, it's going to, there's just so much volume in these surgery centers, it's hard to expedite that patient unless you do your work on the front end. So that's a very long-winded answer, Aaron, to why people don't do it. It's because I think that they pigeonhole it for this um, subset of patients when there's 80 to 90% of its use really should be patients that are going to be seen by optometrists really in any practice setting. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we, we pigeonhole things so much in, uh, in practice? And um, I couldn't agree with you more that it, it, primary care optometry should be managing everything they can before it gets sent to a surgery center. Uh, in my perspective, for a couple of reasons, one, of course, it's my patient, but two, what is it, what's the reflection on me if I send you over for surgery and the surgery center says, no, you're not ready, right? And you're not ready because you've got ocular surface disease. Oh, your doctor didn't talk to you about that. And I'd much rather send over a patient and have the surgery center go, I, you know, you're coming from Warner, you're ready to go, right? Those guys know what they're doing. They've got you teed away. Um, your ocular surface looks great. The surgery center is going to know that we're, we're addressing it because they see the, uh, the pre-op notes. And uh, so it gives them a chance to reinforce how great I am because that patient's coming straight back to me for the rest of their life, you know, hopefully unless they move away. But, um, but it, it just, it gives the me a chance to tee up the surgery center as the experts, the surgery center to reinforce me as an expert. And the overall experience is a whole lot smoother than if there has to be that hurdle or that pause somewhere in the road, especially if I said they're good to go and the surgery center says, you know, not quite. No, I agree completely with all of that. And unfortunately, there's, there's quite a few docs in Indianapolis that share that mentality and they're a pleasure to work with and, and they're progressive and proactive in treating things before they make the referral because they know that they want happy patients and it's their patient. Let's identify everything that we need to do to set them up for success, a smoother process on the pre-up side, for sure a smoother process post-up side. And then this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for the patients to get the vision they want and the vision they deserve. And yep. if we overlook the ocular surface, we're not going to be able to, to achieve that. Exactly. The other thing I, f I find interesting, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. Um, you mentioned happy patients and you've mentioned happy patient a couple of times. And I think that's ingrained in optometrists, right? We love happy patients. Uh, and it's cool that we're in a profession that we get to provide that quickly. But that also means that we don't like making people upset or inconveniencing them if we can. Um, and the process of having a patient wear a Procara for even over the weekend, a couple days, inconvenience them. It's not a super comfortable product to have on your eyeball. Um, you can't see through it, right? And for the most part, because you're looking through a membrane, which I always find interesting when a patient tells me I can't see through it. And I said, yeah, you're looking through a membrane. Have you never seen an alien movie? You can't see through membranes. The, um, but I'm wondering if the, that idea of I've got to inconvenience a patient short term so that they can have a better outcome long-term is one of our limiting factors and why we don't want to use a Procara earlier in a treatment. We wait until they're, they're further along in their dry eye or they're that train wreck patient. I think that's a great point. And I think if you're not used to using Procara regularly, that's a, a, a hurdle you have to overcome. But I've done you know a little over a thousand of these over the last decade. I'm doing typically about 10 to 12 a month 
um, in my practice. I actually have a, a, a doc in my practice that does quite a few more where he's even more proactive on that end and, and I applaud him for that. So we do quite a few leads in our, in our practice. And I think that I'm so used to studying the expectation that, hey, you, you're going to be aware of this in the eye. It's going to make your vision blurry. This is where I do use an analogy here. And I say that kind of like <laughs> you're looking through swamp water, you know, so they're going to have some reduction in vision. And there's different ways to mitigate that. There's a Procaris limb. There's a Procara clear that has a trephination in it that doesn't tend to impact vision quite as much. And we really get the same outcomes. But if they have a traditional, what I would say, Procara clear, uh, slim, which is what we're doing for 90% of our patients, it does blur their vision and they are gonna be aware of that ring. So I, I let them know that so that when they go home and they talk to their family, their spouse, or their friends, they're like, yeah, he told me that it's gonna be blurry. Yeah, he told me that I was gonna be aware of it. But it's usually not pain for these patients. It's, it's more of just, I'm aware there's something in my eye. I put a, a, a tape sorophy up 95% of the time just to give them a little bit of ptosis for the first 24 hours so you can take it off anytime tomorrow. I make sure they're comfortable before they leave my office and their comfort is not only comfortable here but comfortable here is that they understand what we're doing why we're doing it what the expectation is for that journey and now the 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 big thing that I was able to present recently on behalf of some of my colleagues from across the country is we know that if we do that for a dry eye patient and we put that in the eye for two days it has the same outcome in terms of improvements in their dry eye symptoms, improvements in corneal staining, just the same outcome as if we have it in the eye for four or five days or even a week. So now we have you know, published data that says we don't have to have that blurry vision or that awareness of that ring for four or five days. It can be as little as two days, and my typical protocol is two to three days for these patients and they have the same long-term outcomes out to three months or more, published data to support that. So I'm hoping that that will provide um, docs a, a bit of additional confidence is like, yes, your patient is gonna be somewhat inconvenienced, but you know what? Think about the inconvenience that they have for every day of their entire life they're having <laughs> to deal with this, is I think if we can set the value proposition appropriately, you know, 48 to 72 hours of some blurred vision and some awareness of a lens, I think that's a deal that almost all of our patients are going to accept. So it's that barrier that we put up in front of ourselves that probably it's, it's, a bar it's not the same barrier that the patient has. The patient just wants to get better. The patient yep. needs advice. And this is also a big point of mine. I'll, I wanna see where you stand on this, Aaron, is I don't, I don't say that Procara is an option. I say you need to have a Procara. I, I strongly recommend it for a patient. And if there's pushback for whatever reason, I'll move to plan B. I don't give them a buffet of options to choose from because I think that's disingenuous for the patient in terms of my expertise as their doctor and their role in our patient-doctor relationship is we need to guide that process. So those are things that are holding our, our docs back and they're certainly holding our patients back from having the outcomes they deserve. Oh, absolutely. I can't stand the, uh, I call it the optometric buffet, right? Where we, uh, we set every patients up in front of a buffet and ask them what they want to choose. I, I, like you, I tell them what I, what they need, why I think they need it. And, uh, and that we want to move forward. They obviously have a choice. If they decline anything that I've recommended, I make sure I let them know that I'm putting in the chart 
that I recommended it and they declined it for X, Y, Z reasons. doesn't mean we can't have that conversation. There could be very valid reasons why they, they don't want to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely stay away from the optometric buffet. Um, I think you have to, and, and think about where you're successful as you do that in everything that you do, mm-hmm. whether it's, it's the optical, contact lens, specialty contact lens, glaucoma management, ocular surface disease is no different than that. Make a diagnosis, make a recommendation, give the best advice that we can for our patients, and then let the chips fall from there. And if we say, well, I do that when I'm recommending a daily replacement contact lens or I'm recommending this particular type of optical solution, have that same mentality when we're doing this in ocular surface disease, and it's going to be better for everybody involved. A hundred percent. And I can't remember who, who shared with me what I'm going to share next. If I, if I do, I'll you know, bring it back up and give them credit. But they said simply is you need XYZ because XYZ, and this is the outcome you'll get from it. So you I, need I think Procura. it's that easy. Yeah. It, it is. It, it's... The way I try to set it up for a patient is I, I definitely try to target, you know, what are we trying to do here? What's their chief complaint? What are we trying to solve? And then my, my testing and my clinical exam is what's going on that's causing that chief complaint? So I tell the story of here's why you can't wear your contacts comfortably all day. Here's why your vision is, is blurry and the artificial teardrops aren't helping. And then I, I go into the physical findings in my exam is, you know, I found that there's actually, in your case, damage to the nerves on the very front of the eye, and your eye's just not healing like it should. So we need to do something to restore the integrity of those nerves to actually get you better. And then I give them a solution. So it's, what am I trying to do? What do I see that's causing the problem? And then what is the solution I'm providing my patient to solve that problem? I love it. And you said you weren't a story guy. Right? That's a perfect story. Right? <laughs> That's a good story there. <laughs> the, uh, so how do, you descri- how do you describe Procara? I love hearing different people describe Procara to patients. So what it is, what the process is, what, you know, what does that interaction look like? So thinking about you know, if I'm in the lane, I'm describing this to a patient and not a, a colleague, is I'm recommending that we use a, a product called Procara. Uh, Procara is a biologic contact lens. It actually comes from human placenta. That placenta is um, collected and tested to make sure that it's safe for somebody else to use. And then it's placed on a ring and frozen so it has the same properties that it has in the womb. What that does, it's anti-inflammatory. It promotes stem cell activity and it can actually help repair damaged corneal nerves. As the contact lens, uh, biologic lens, we put it in the eye. We usually leave it in the eye for two or three days. It has healing properties that we cannot replicate with other medications. Uh, your body absorbs that tissue. And then um, I take that out after two or three days. And typically what I'm going to see is an improvement in the surface of the eye. Your eye typically is going to feel better. Um, and that, you know, those... those um, Things that we've done with a single treatment for two or three days can last many, many months. So that's my 90-second sort of elevator speech. How does that compare to what you're doing, Aaron? Uh, pretty similar. I, I tell them that the, uh, you know, everything we do in medicine tries to get back and replicate nature and the natural process as much as possible. And with Procara, 
we've been able to do that. I don't call it a contact lens because my early patients, when I did, thought that it was a, uh, they could see with it. So I said, hey, this, I'm putting a membrane on your eye. Right, that membrane is an amniotic membrane, comes from the, uh, the placenta. It has all the natural healing and growth properties that you want. It's the perfect place to grow because that's where we grow babies. And you know, I, I, if they have questions, I'll go down the, uh, the, safety, the safety avenue. But I think that they can appreciate that we're putting them in the, the perfect growth and healing uh, environment. And then I typically will put it in on a Friday and have them back on a Monday. So, hey, over the weekend... Uh, you know, you'll have it in, uh, in your eye, you'll be aware of it. You'll feel it. You're, you're not going to see through it cause you're looking through a membrane. Um, but on Monday I'll pull it back out and your cornea will look pristine. I fully expect it to look pristine. And what I expect you to do is blink a couple times and go, Oh wow. Because it's been years since you'll be able to feel how that feels. And uh, usually at that point they get a, a little excited and, and they're curious as to, you know, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's put it in. Let's go. So a couple of things I took away from that is one is I'm not in a primary care optometry setting. So we don't fit contact lenses on us. There's a bandage contact lens. So when I say biologic contact lens for me, it's like, that's just, I don't do anything else with contact lenses. So I can see the differentiation of, Hey, this actually called a membrane. Cause maybe some more of these patients are going to be contact lens patients. And I have fewer contact lens patients in my practice than you do uh, almost certainly. And then I think that, in terms of getting started with this, you and I have supreme confidence in the technology. We're very confident with the patient conversation. We know we can leave it in for two or three days and we'll do it on a Friday and coming back Monday. I would say that when you are getting started with this, reverse that, put it in on a Monday or Tuesday, have the patient come back Thursday or Friday, assuming you work normal hours because you may have a patient give you a call until you get that talk track, you know, set because now based on how I set expectations, I literally have about one in a hundred patients call me after hours because they're experiencing something they didn't expect. But if you're not used to that process and you don't have the confidence in that conversation, this may be something that again, derails your opportunity to embrace this with your practices. Yeah. I put this in on a Friday, the first two patients I called, they called Saturday and they said their vision was blurry, their eye was a little scratchy and they wondering what to do and this is kind of a pain. And Well, don't set yourself up for a failure like that until you get confidence in that process. Just kind of make it Monday to Wednesday. I mean, that's where, again, you can easily do now with the data we've presented, Monday in, Wednesday out. We can decide then if we want to do the fellow eye that same day or if they want to take a little bit of a break, I would say my patients are 50-50 what they want to do. Maybe skewed towards, hey, let's go ahead and just get through this because they know that they've seen the outcome on that first eye. So in on Monday, come back Wednesday, take out, do exactly what you did, is look at the eye, let the patient know what you're seeing. If the fellow eye needs treatment, offer to do that treatment that same day. It's a zero-day global period. So these are all office visits. Yep. Unless the patient is having the membrane, then I wouldn't charge an office visit on the day because that's included in that um, 65778 code. So I think that there's a lot of similarities to what we're doing, but I do think the verbiage and our choice of language may um, reflect our, the type of practice that we have. Nope. Great, great point. Great call out. The, um, you talked about being comfortable with it. 
and I think we've been using it for about a decade as well. And what I found was interesting is, is I remember placing the initial order and, uh, having a bunch of Procares in my freezer, uh, may or may not be next to a Snickers bar, but the, uh, <laughs> uh, but rem- driving home and remember and thinking, Oh, I could have used it here. I could have used it there. And it wasn't until I had the rep come in and, uh, Roger, forgive me if, if you guys don't do this anymore, but I had the rep come in and I had, um, our associate docs each put it in ourselves on a, on a Friday over the weekend. And so we could experience it and having that personal experience of putting it in an eye, but also having it in my own eye for, for a couple of days and pulling it out was, I, I hate the phrase life-changing, but life-changing because you, it's hard to explain or experience something just from an explanation without having that, that, uh, that hearing it. And quite frankly, I stole another lens and put it in my fellow eye, uh, because it felt so good. Right. But, um, but have that, that hands-on, uh, that experience. If you're, if you're new to this, um, the other thing I thought was interesting, I was talking with Chris Wolf about his protocol and ours is mine's typically Monday or Friday to Monday. Um, he looked at me and says, no, that's football weekend. You don't want to mess up football, (laughs) right? We mess up work. We don't mess up football. So his is, uh, is during the week just so we stay away from, uh, Nebraska football. Yeah. And sometimes I'll do that second eye or if it's a, again, these are, for some of our patients, this is a one-time treatment and then they're on other therapies, they're good to go. There's other patients that you have, especially in the dry eye space, where you know maybe we're doing this every six to 12 months based on what we see and based on what the patient's telling us. And if the patient has more advanced disease or they can't, they don't do well with prescription drops because they burn and sting, is like, we've got many patients where this is their primary core therapy for dry eye and we have a lot of confidence based on our results with that, is I think that if patients have had a Procara in the past, then I'm happy if they want to do that Friday to Monday sort of protocol. I'll let the patient steer me a little bit more, but that first time that I'm going to use that, I'd like to do it during the week just like uh, Chris. Yeah, so very cool. And you brought up the, the code real quick, so let's let's jump in um, on the billing and coding side. I. I I think it's pretty straightforward, but it's worth uh, talking about. So the CPT code is the 65778. And uh, I wanted to get the language right. So I looked it up and it's the quote, placement of an amniotic membrane on the ocular surface without sutures. And um, I know the the Medicare average is about 1400. And we've seen private insurances pretty close to that, maybe down to just uh, just below a grand, um, up to right around that, that 1400. And I'm in Southern California. Uh, sure it's similar for you out in uh, Indiana. Yeah, pretty similar. And I think another couple pearls here is you, you want to code, whether it's a commercial patient or a Medicare patient, what you're treating is the, again, what we're limiting this discussion mostly to the dry eye patient, is you're, limit, you're, you're gonna code for the corneal sequela of dry eye. So that's superficial punctate keratitis, occasionally filamentary keratitis. But I would say a take home Pearl here is in these patients that have stating that have ocular surface disease, always, always check their corneal sensitivity because it's going to have a better idea of where they're at in this neurosensor abnormality spectrum of dry eye. Um, for some payers, having a neurotrophic keratitis code is a, per, a more predictable path to reimbursement than others in the space. And I think it's just also setting up the patient as hey, we did a test and your corneal nerves are actually damaged. 
I can't just give you a prescription medication or an artificial tear to fix this problem. We actually have to use a biologic treatment for this. So um, in these situations, uh, the vast majority of my patients are going to have a Procara as part of their um, treatment course. And then certainly patients that are more severe, recalcitrant patients that, um, don't, that respond maybe incompletely to a Procara, that's when we would move towards Denedrimin or, or Oxervate. But I think the two work really well together. It takes a few weeks, if not longer, to get patients approved for you know, recombinant human nerve growth factor, the Oxervate. Um, so these are patients that boy, to get it moving in the right direction. We know Procare is chock full of uh, human nerve growth factor. That's one of the, the main reasons it works so well. Is so think about the, the spectrum of disease because still neurotrophic keratitis is, is very much underdiagnosed. And if that's going to be what we're treating or one of the things that we're treating, make sure that Procara is front and center in terms of what you are going to use, but also make sure your charting, billing, and coding reflect that diagnosis. Yep, absolutely. So for those who aren't doing a lot of corneal sensitivity uh, testing and training, real quick, how do you do it and what do you note in the uh, in the chart? I've done it every which way you can think of. <laughs> I, bought a, I bought a Cochet Bonnet anesthesiometer with the best of intentions. It's sitting in a drawer. I, for a long time, was using a, a cotton tip applicator and you try to just make it a little wisp. But sometimes the, the material's not real conducive to it and it takes a while and maybe you got to glove up. I mean, so literally now I have, I have dental floss in my pocket so that I, I just will pull that out and I use dental floss to use as my corneal sensitivity testing. And sometimes that will happen within the first minute that I'm examining a new patient to me because the patient is going to come in for ocular surface disease, they're not gonna get an uh, anesthetic drop. They're gonna get dye, they're gonna get osmolarity, MMP9 testing, myography. I'm gonna do my history, and then I put some dye in, and then if I see that their cornea is lighting up, I just literally reach my pocket, grab some dental floss, and I'm testing their corneal sensitivity so I know within the first minute that I'm examining the patient that I have nerve damage that I'm going to have to address if I want to have a good outcome for this patient. So that's been the last month or so I've kind of moved into that. And I think it's just easier. I do it at the slit lamp. Patients uh, respond well to it. And it's, it's not as cumbersome as doing the cotton tip. And I think that you just have to have a process in your, in your practice to do that. What are you doing, Aaron? Um, the uh, the corneal wisp or the cotton tip applicator wisp is uh, is what we are. But now I've I, I needed dental floss the other day uh, <laughs> post lunch, and so I think that uh, this is a fantastic uh, two birds with one stone. And the same reason I don't have my Snickers bar next to my Procara in the <laughs> fridge, I have a dental floss that says DSD Pod One, and people know that this is corneal sensitivity testing. Yeah. As, a, as a marketer, I feel like I should be uh, providing our, our field with some Snickers bar and some uh, dental <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Some conversations to have with uh, Crestor Colgate over there. <laughs> nope, I, I love it. I think you have a... Uh, having a process is, is the key thing in what you just said, Damon. It, you know, so that you're consistent, you can repeat and, um, and whatnot. And I, it's for our... Uh, 
information. It's for our doc chart documentation. Certainly helps when you get questioned on why are you doing this from the insurance company. But I think the biggest reason is educating patients. They don't know what they don't know, and they didn't have sensitivity yesterday and lose it today. Right? It wasn't like they got into an accident and I no longer have feeling in my hand because I was in an accident and I could feel something yesterday, I couldn't today. This has been a long, slow change over time that they're not aware of. And so being able to articulate that to them and demonstrate to them is, uh, is, is super important. And I really think it helps them accept all of what we're trying to, I hate to use the word sell them because we're recommending, but we're really selling ourselves, selling our treatment recommendations and, uh, and they need to trust us. And this is a good way to do so. And it's just like anything else is if you're recommending or prescribing something and you don't have confidence in what it's doing or what that um, it's going to look like for the patient for the next couple of days or the next several weeks or months. The patients are going to very quickly understand that you're not confident in the process. How do you get confidence in the process and the talk track? You just got to do it, right? Mm -hmm. Just think about the first couple, Aaron, that you did 10 years ago compared to the first couple you did this month as a totally different experience for the patient. So I think that's with anything in our practice, whether it's optical, medical, is think about what that patient experience is like practice you can do role playing with your staff with colleagues with your with your sales rep is practice that Procara elevator speech so that when you need to bring this up the next time you see a patient you can pretty clearly know that you know what you're talking about but it's, you have to be intentional about this because i think that if you're not and you just expect all this to it's different and, and it's different for patients it's different for your practice it's different for your staff is be intentional about planning how can I make this as seamless as anything else that I do in my practice. Yep. I love that you brought up staff. I think that's a missing component in the success of a lot of what we do. Um, or it's the factor for the, for the reason we have the success. And uh, I learned early on in this process that, that I wasn't including them when I should have, and now very much so. And what I mean when I learned it, we had a patient call in and, uh, the next day and my uh, talked to the staff because they're the ones who answer the phone and my staff came in interrupted me and said oh my god you know dr aaron john smith's on the phone and i told him to come in right away because he feels like he's got something in his eye and i chuckled and laughed and said yeah i know i put it there right <laughs> it's a big plastic ring with a membrane around it i i certainly hope he feels like there's something in his eye um and the the staff looked at me like uh, a deer in the headlights um uh, I instantly learned at that point that it was my fault because I hadn't brought them through on the process and they were doing what I trained them to do on emergency calls and not, uh, didn't have, didn't train them to troubleshoot. And so now whenever I put a Procara in, um, I make sure there's a staff in the room, uh, so they can see the process. Uh, my interns are the ones who, who do it. My lead techs now, um, I have them do it while I'm in the room because I want them through the process. All the staff members or most of the staff members have had it in their eye or at least seen it. Somebody else have it. So so any of those, hey, I can't see, you know, it feels better in my eyes closed. I feel like there's something in my eye, blah, blah, blah. They have familiarity with it and so they can respond appropriately. And that helps to calm the nerves of the patient. It helps the patient experience. And it helps me from getting questions that I don't have to consistently, you know, answer on repeat. No, I think that's great. And I think that you can also leverage some of the things BioTissue has. They have yep. Procara brochures directed towards a dry eye patient. They have patient information for FAQ when you have a Procare in the eye, what to expect. I think make sure your staff is familiar with all those um, P 
pieces of material. Then I think the other thing is have some talking points in terms of how you describe that, be consistent with it, and even consider writing that down and as part of your staff training is, hey, here's the things that we're talking about when we're looking at Procare. Here's the things we're talking about when we're talking about IPL or Lipiflow or tear care is, is have the same talk track, same language throughout the practice. Everyone's on the same page. It's gonna be very clear to a patient that you're experiencing, your staff is experiencing in the technology if you're all using the same language, right? Yeah. And if patients are gonna lose confidence, is hey, I had a question, this staff member had no idea what I was talking about. It's like, well, what's going on here? Am I, am I a guinea pig? Is this brand new? <laughs> is be intentional about it. And it's, it's we, we set it up to be more difficult than it really is, but you have yes. to get through that first five or 10 patients understand the experience. I think it's reasonable, like you said, if, if you have corneal sequela dry, maybe you wanna get this in your eye at some point as a doc as well, I think that's reasonable. But I think that be intentional about creating a, a Procara protocol. Biotish is gonna help you with this, certainly with the resources they have available. And you're gonna have the same sort of success in California as I have in, in Indiana. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wanna, uh, if, if you don't mind, piggyback no, off please, that. Roger. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. So just like Dr. Durker mentioned, we have a, you know, we want to be in this with you. So we have a ton of resources, whether they're the patient brochures, the FAQs, videos in the lane, um, website dedicated towards both patients and physicians. Um, so on the patient standpoint, uh, feel free to take advantage of all of those that we provide, um, as well as from, from, from your standpoint, right, from, from the doctor's standpoint, we do a hundred plus um, educational opportunities or events on, a, on an annual basis. I actually just got back from one uh, yesterday, uh, which is a, a physician summit where we bring in uh, doctors, both optometrists and ophthalmologists, learning about you know what what the technology is, how it's used in, in the eye and beyond, and things like diabetic foot ulcers and spina bifida, things like that. Um, so so just please, if there's any type of gap or just increased uh, desire to learn more about it, contact somebody from Biotissue to help get uh, more information on whether it's the next summit or the next training opportunity, some more patient brochures that, that we should have more than enough things to help uh, help you fight this fight uh, with, with, with your patients. No, absolutely. You guys are fantastic. Um, my only caveat is I would not recommend a, uh, a lunch and learn if they're bringing in the pictures of the foot ulcers. <laughs> a, a, a coffee and learn is a whole lot better <laughs> in the morning. It's more to wake you up there. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it is it is very impressive what um, what the use of of amniotic membranes does, and you know why Procara stands out among the others with the cryopreserve process and and whatnot. And I think it's very important for. Um, for all of our, our team to know, um, we've got the, uh, the Procara for patients link saved. Uh, I'm in Southern California. So anytime I can not use paper and get yelled at by patients for killing the world, uh, we do. So we just, we text that, uh, send that link through a text message to them so they can look, read it on their phone. Uh, they can share it with family. Um, it's been interesting too. Uh, we haven't tried to set it up this way, but uh, have Procara as a, a referral source because they go talk to each other. They talk to their friends. Hey, I got this thing in my eye. Look, my eye looks kind of fuzzy when it's on, you know, when you look at it. And um, and, and they want to, to, to share what's happening with them. We like sharing all of the... For, humans are weird. We like sharing the negative that happens to us, right? Um, <laughs> over a cocktail. But uh, it, you know, if they haven't heard about it, if they're explaining to a friend and that friend hasn't heard about it from their eye doctor, uh, it's a, you know, 
something that a reason for them to uh, to reach out and give us a call. So I appreciate the the support and and uh, we found that you know whether it's a, a billing issue, whether it's a training issue, whether it's a staff training issue, um, you know just what not. Uh, Biotissue has been very receptive to the questions, uh, you know, in depth or silly as they may be. So, so very cool. Um, Damon, I'm curious in your, and I know you're in a, a referral center, which sometimes means you get more train wrecks than, uh, than I see in a primary care setting. Um, but in your, you know, primary care hat, where would you fit Procara in? How early would you fit it in your ocular surface disease, you know, treatment paradigm? So I think that for someone with, with ocular surface disease and dry eye disease, you know, being what we'll say is most, most common is, let's make sure we have the diagnosis, right? Let's make sure that we are testing corneal sensitivity, we're doing corneal staining, we're addressing my bone gland dysfunction, and make sure all those things get in your chart. So in my chart, it's very typical that they'll have carotid conjunctivitis sicca, MGD, SPK, anterior blepharitis, because those are all things that are going to be um, important for us to address. So then when you, when you say, I'm going to not just say this is all dry eye syndrome, I'm actually going to have medical diagnoses for all these different things I'm gonna see. When you look at these patients that have SPK, neurotrophic keratitis filaments, it's like, what am I gonna to do to treat that part of their disease? Because that's often gonna be what's going to be impacting their vision the most, and very often what's impacting comfort the most. So I know that I'm not going to have the same benefit for SPK or NK with a prescription RX that's readily available, mainstream, you know, immunomodulators, LFA1 antagonists, topical steroids, they're not going to have the same impact that a biologic like a Procara will have. And we talked a little bit about, you know, the space. Is, is Procara cryopreserved is really the only one in this amniotic membrane space that's indicated for, for wound healing. Mm -hmm. Everything else that's in this space is really wound covering. So they're doing different things. And I really think it's an apples to oranges comparison when you look at cryopreserved versus others in the space. So thinking about cryopreserved, thinking about identifying these parts of the patient's problem that are going to benefit the most from a biologic, that's step one is let's, let's get our diagnosis list correct. And then when you really think about corneal sequela of dry eye, what is the very best way to manage that? We have data that shows that Procara is going to have more of an impact than anything that you do for months with a single application. If you look at corneal staining that's improved with different RX medications available for dry eye, it's a, it's, a, it's a significant amount when you look at statistically, but when you look at that compared to what a Procara does, you'll take someone with three to four plus SPK down to trace, and that will last months with a single application. There isn't anything else that does anywhere close to that. So I think, um, when we're going to say, where do we get this in our primary care hat? Well, you got to do the testing. You got to put fluorescent in the eye. And if you see that they're not responding like you would expect in terms of what you see or what the patient is telling you, then you should be reaching for Procara. So I think it's, it's not waiting until I try three or four different medications or tears or 
anything else is let's actually treat what's going on, which is their, their corneas are not healthy. We can restore corneal integrity with this regenerative therapy. And why would I want to wait for months on end or refer to somebody else to do that when I can do that in my practice and help my patient now? Hundred yeah. percent could not have said it better myself, and that's exactly our our philosophy in the practice. Right? Let's get to let's get you better as as quick and as effective and as safe as possible. And uh, and honestly, even with uh, with Procare, a lot of times it's one of the most from a patient standpoint, um, the financially advantageous routes, right? There's uh, a lot of the RX medications have high copays. I'm seeing a lot of patients that have high RX copays and, uh, and whatnot. So if we can get them better, we're not dumping a whole lot of uh, medications and, uh, you know, BAK and preservatives on the, on the cornea. And uh, then we can maintain the improvement that we have over time. If they're not getting better, I mean, certainly a lot of these patients will get better on conventional therapy. But if they're not getting better, let's not keep doing the same thing. Let's, let's hit, hey, why, why aren't they getting better? We need to do something different. But I, I think that once you have confidence in the, in the product and the technology, is that's not six months into the patient journey. It's more like a couple of weeks, right? It's if they're not where I expect them to be, if they're not moving along and I have technology that I know works well, I know it's well tolerated, it's well studied, and I can do that in my office and keep that patient in my chair. Yes, there's a revenue component to this, but at the end of the day, it's about making that patient your patient, giving them the very best care that you can. So if, if you want to seriously say, I am treating dry eye disease and you're not incorporating amniotic membranes, I don't really think you are being serious. Yeah. So, Gauntlet Throne, you, you said something I thought was really impactful there too. You said if it, they're not getting better on on traditional therapy, right? Um, but you didn't say in six months or a year. You said no. in four to six weeks, right? That's, I mean, that's think about the, the natural time I would see too, you back. Right? That's like, impressive. Why, why would you wait if we yeah. have something that works well? If someone's responding to dry eye therapy, they should be moving in a positive direction based on the different options that we have available. If you're saying that I'm going to give it six months, for a patient that is moderate to severe in your chair right now, I don't think that you're providing the best care that's, that's out there. As I think that there are some situations where certain products take that long to work, but when you have other things that work more quickly that are synergistic or uh, work well as both primary and adjunctive therapy is, don't wait for, why, why let your patients suffer if they don't need to? Uh, that is the perfect point to end on. Why let your patients suffer when they don't need to? And you have the technology, you have the uh, the, the products um, in your chair right now to uh, to make them feel better. So I'm sure we could go down in uh, a bunch of different rabbit holes and talk about uh, all sorts of unique cases and other you know uh, other times to use uh, use Procare and amniotic membrane technology. Um, so we'd love to have you guys back to uh, to talk about those. But uh, I, I, why not help patients feel better when you have it right now? So. Appreciate it. Awesome. So Roger, Damon, thank you guys very much for making time to, uh, to join us on the podcast and look forward to uh, Damon seeing you next time you're lecturing at an upcoming event. And uh, Roger, appreciate all the support that you and Biotissue share with uh, the Optometric community. Thank you as well. Thanks, guys.